what this passage is about. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Today, Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel begins his last message in this series of the Olivet Discourse from Matthew chapter 24. This message will be broken into three sessions. The central theme of all three classes is Christ's words to his disciples and us to be ready for his return. Turn in your Bible to Matthew 24, verse 42. We have a lot of ground to cover today, so let's get right at it. Here is Pastor Steve. There is an old fable told about three demons who were talking to Satan one day concerning their, their plans about how they might tempt and, and ruin men. First demon told the devil, I will tell people that there is no God. But Satan said, that will not fool many because they know there is a God. The second said, I will tell men that there is no hell. To which Satan replied, you will never fool many that way because they know even now that there is a hell for sin. The third demon said, I will tell men there is no hurry. To which the devil said, go and tell them that and you will ruin millions. Now, obviously, this is a make-believe story, but there is a great deal of truth to it because many people have been terribly deceived into thinking that there is no great reason to trust Christ for salvation today. There's no hurry. There's no urgency for this to be done now because they have plenty of time in the future to turn to him. In fact, someone has said that the most dangerous day in a man's life It's when he learns there is such a word as tomorrow, because no man knows if for him tomorrow will ever come. Now, this morning, as we resume our study of Matthew 24, we want to look at this whole issue of spiritual procrastination and the danger it poses to our souls. So I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24, and I want to read to you verses 42 through 51. Jesus said to his apostles, Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you that he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, My master is not coming for a long time and begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards. The master of the slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour when he does not know and he'll cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, in these closing verses of Matthew 24, Jesus teaches one primary And dominant truth, he tells us that we are always to be prepared and we are always to be ready for his return since we don't know the precise moment when he's coming back. 
And you can easily see this for yourself. You can easily see that this is our Lord's message, that this is the point of the passage, just by the way that Jesus keeps reiterating the theme of being ready for the day that he returns. Notice how Christ communicates this message of being ready. In verse 42, he explicitly states that we are to be alert and watchful for the basic reason that we don't know when he's returning. He says it very, very explicitly. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Then in verses 43 and 44, the Lord compares his coming to that of a thief who comes at night without any warning to rob someone's home. And the point of this comparison is that both actions, the coming of the thief and the return of Christ, take place when no one knows or suspects that it will take place. Then in the remaining verses, Jesus gives a parable of two types of servants that a master placed in charge of his household while he was away. One servant was faithful in carrying out his assigned service. The other servant, though, was completely irresponsible, very evil, started behaving wickedly in his master's absence because he thought that his master was not coming back for a long time. And this emboldened this, this servant, the slave, to do whatever he wanted to do, thinking that he would not get in trouble, at least not right away. He didn't think or care about the consequences of his behavior because his master was not physically present. Now, these are the individual components of this passage of Scripture. There is an exhortation to be alert, to be watchful for Christ's return. Then there's a comparison between Christ's coming and the coming of a thief in the night. And then there's the story of two types of servants, one faithful to the master, one unfaithful to the master. Now, it's obvious that the one thought then that connects all of these verses is being ready and prepared for when Jesus returns to the earth at his second coming. Question is, why, though, did the Lord address this particular subject of readiness for his return in these verses? Why now? Why here? After all, Jesus often spoke about his second coming. And when he spoke about it, there are many and varied issues related to it. But here he spoke specifically about being ready. Why? Well, the reason for this is because of the context. The previous verses leading up to this passage, in those verses, Jesus has been emphasizing that no one knows the precise hour or day when he's coming back. See, it all started, as we've said a number of times, back at the beginning of the chapter in verse 3, when the disciples said, give us a sign of your appearing. And when are you coming back? What's the, what's the timing? When you're going to appear in judgment as the glorious king, and then you'll set up your kingdom. They wanted to know that. Now, Jesus responds by telling them, from verse 4 to 31, about certain signs, events that will take place during the seven-year tribulation period. That's what the Olivet, this is what is called the Olivet Discourse is about. Then he gives a parable. He gives a parable about a fig tree. And the Lord, in this parable, compared the nearness of his arrival in relation to these signs that he just spoke about to the nearness of the summer season which closely follows the budding of new leaves of a fig tree that take place 
in the springtime. Jesus said, when you see these leaves begin to bud, you'll know that summer is right around the corner. So in response to the question when he would return, Jesus said it would be soon after the sign events take place. In other words, it'll be shortly after the close of the seven year tribulation time period. Question is, how soon? When exactly? And the answer is, we don't know, because that's as far as the Lord would go in stating a time frame for his return. That it's why he went on to state that while people living during the tribulation will know that his return will be sometime soon after these signs take place, no one knows the precise hour and the day. Because as he says in verse 36, the father has not revealed it to anyone. The Father has not revealed it to anyone. So, as I said before, if you know of people who set dates for Christ's return, don't listen to them. They're wrong. They don't know. The Father knows. They don't know. And even though the tribulation, as Jesus went on to teach, will be a time of unparalleled horrors, it'll be a time of of judgments, a time of catastrophes like this planet has never seen before, the general attitude of society at that time will be one of spiritual complacency. As most people will just continue to live out their their lives as normally as possible, as normal as it could possibly be during the tribulation, but they'll have no concern for Christ's return. Notice what Jesus said starting in verse 37. Right after saying that nobody knows when the day will be, he says, for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, in these verses, Jesus compared the generation of unbelievers who lived in the ancient time of of Noah. He compared them to the generation of unbelievers who will be alive during the days of the tribulation period in the sense that. Both generations will be characterized by spiritual indifference and just a, an uncaring attitude about Christ, the word of God, his return. See, in spite of the ongoing witness of Noah, and we've already said when you compare Genesis to Second Peter, which says that he was a preacher of righteousness, Noah was proclaiming the truth of you need to repent because judgment is coming in the form of a flood for about 120 years. In spite of the ongoing witness of Noah concerning the coming judgment of God on the earth in the form of the flood, the people of his day just continued to live their lives as if they had nothing to be concerned about, as if the judgment that Noah was speaking about was nonsense and something to be just ignored. So Jesus said that this same attitude of spiritual indifference is going to be the mentality of most people. In the days of the tribulation, as amazing as it sounds, in spite of all the gospel witnessing that's going to take place in that day and the catastrophic events that will fall upon the planet, the majority of the population at that time will just continue doing business as usual. And because of their ongoing spiritual complacency and their continued disregard and rejection of the gospel message When Jesus does return, that generation of unbelievers will be completely caught off guard and experience the sudden and inescapable judgment of God 
just like the generation of Noah's day. When all but Noah's family were swept away in the judgment of the flood. That's what verse 39 is talking about. They did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. You see, people will be so unprepared for Christ's return that when it does take place, they'll just be engaged in their normal activities, the daily grind of life, totally unsuspecting that this is the day that judgment will finally strike. And Jesus illustrates what it will be like in verses 40 and 41. He speaks of two men at work and then two women engaged in household responsibilities. Verse 40. Then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken. One will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken. One will be left. The Lord illustrates the unpreparedness of the unsaved for his return by saying that two men who represent the millions of men on the earth at the time of his return who will be busy at work. Nothing wrong being at work. But on that day that they don't suspect, just another normal day, they think, of work, he's going to return. And one man, the unsaved man, will be suddenly swept away in judgment, while the other man, the believing man, will be left to enter into the kingdom on earth. This is not the rapture. This is the judgment that God has been talking about. He also said that this will be the experience of women who will be carrying out household responsibilities. Two women will be busy grinding at the mill. Of course, he's speaking in the historical and cultural context of his day, when suddenly and unexpectedly the Lord returns. One woman is carried off to face God's judgment because she was not a Christian, while the believing woman will remain to enter the kingdom on earth. Now watch this. Because of the unknown hour when he's coming back and this general indifference and spiritual casualness towards his coming that will characterize most people of that day, Jesus proceeds in the final verses of this chapter to issue a strong warning to everyone, which is be ready for my return. That's what this passage is about. It is Christ's call to be ready for the day when he finally does return. And the way the Lord issues this call and warning is by telling us, note this, he tells us how to make sure that we're ready and prepared for the day. Here's how the verses unfold. First, Jesus tells us to prepare for his return by experiencing salvation prior to his return. And I take it that the Lord is in the first part of this passage, addressing unbelievers, saying, make sure that you have experienced salvation before I return, because once I return, it's too late. Then secondly, he tells us to prepare for his return by proving the genuineness of our salvation as we wait for his return. And I take it that in this second part of the passage, he is referring to professing believers Professing believers, first part, unbelievers, second part, professing believers. And he's telling professing believers, make sure your profession is real. Make sure it's not just verbal. Make sure that there's a reality to your life that evidences that you really have come to know me as you wait for my return. Now, these verses are most important, folks, and they're most 
relevant to all of us, even if if we're not going to be alive during the days of the tribulation and and visually be on earth and see the return of Christ. And the reason they are important to us is because they remind us that regardless of what the future holds for us, there is coming a day when all of life's present activities are going to suddenly cease for each of us. And the only thing that will matter at that time is whether or not we are ready to face Jesus Christ and stand before him uncondemned and completely forgiven of our sins. And so all of life, we could say, is really preparing for that inevitable day. See, Christ's words about the unknown hour of his return are words that really ought to grip our hearts, ought to impact our lives by forcing us to determine, are we ready? Really ready for his return? We don't want to be like the millions of people who perished in the days of Noah because we ignored all the statements about Jesus coming back or we thought that we had plenty of time to make things right with God. So let's eat, drink and be merry today. It really doesn't matter. We've got so much time. We'll get things right before we die. You see, if, if we are indifferent or spiritually lackadaisical in being prepared for the day that Christ comes back, we only have ourselves to blame. We only have ourselves to blame because the Bible mentions the second coming of Christ so many times. It may surprise you to know that of the 260 chapters in the New Testament, the return of Christ is mentioned about 318 times. That means that one verse in 25 speaks of the second coming of Christ. So there is no question that God has given us ample warning that Christ is coming again. And in these concluding words of Matthew 24, the Lord specifically stresses the great need to be prepared and ready for when he does come in the clouds of the sky with great power and with great glory. So let's begin to examine these verses and let's discover how to be prepared and ready for Christ's return. First thing then that Jesus tells us about being ready for his second coming is that the way we get ready for it is by experiencing salvation prior to his return. We begin in verse 42. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. The Lord begins this section by calling us to be alert. To be constantly ready for the day that he arrives for the simple reason that we don't know which precise day it's going to be. So we are always to be watching for it so that we don't get caught off guard when that day finally does arrive. Now, for those who know Christ as Savior and Lord, his return will be the most marvelous, incredible experience of our lives, because although he is coming To execute judgment on the world, true believers will not dread his judgment. Why? Because they will be secure in knowing that their salvation means that he was punished and judged in their place. That's what the cross is about. He was the substitute for sinners. Therefore, they won't fear condemnation because they know that that. The the righteous one, Christ, was condemned in their place. And therefore, that God the Father is fully satisfied in terms of justice 
with the death of Christ. And therefore, they will never be condemned for their sins. That's what salvation means. We are rescued from the penalty of our sins. And so for believers alive at the end of the tribulation, visualizing the incredible spectacle of Christ's return will mean that their faith will finally give way to sight as they will see the most glorious and majestic scene ever to be seen. The Lord appearing in the sky, sitting upon a white horse, followed by the armies of heaven who are clothed in fine linen, and they too are seated upon white horses. That's the way the Apostle John describes this scene in the book of Revelation, in chapter 19. There's been nothing like it before. There'll be nothing like it after. An incredible scene. But for those living at the end of the tribulation who have not believed in Jesus Christ, the sudden return of Christ will catch them completely unaware. It'll be a time of indescribable horror, like the worst nightmare they have ever had multiplied many, many more times, as they will physically see the one they have ignored and rejected coming in the clouds to judge them. And then to carry them away into an endless eternity of punishment and separation from God without any hope of their condition and their lost estate being changed. It's over. They will be frozen in their unbelief. So because the day of his coming will mean either untold blessing or untold judgment, depending upon one's relationship with him. And no one knows when that day will arrive Jesus very clearly says here that we are to be constantly alert and ready for his coming. Now, folks, here's an important matter for each of us to consider. Why was Christ so concerned about telling his apostles to be ready and alert for his coming? Why? I mean, they all died. By the end of the first century, they're all all gone. Well, let's step back a moment and remind ourselves that the entire Olivet Discourse, though spoken to the apostles, is specifically a message for the generation that will be alive during the days of the tribulation. Those individuals who will personally experience all the signs and all the judgments that will take place at that time. And while many who will be, will be reading Matthew 24 during the tribulation, many will be believers who, be, who will turn to the Bible, specifically Matthew 24, for direction, for clarification, what's going on? Oh, here's what it says in Matthew 24, and they'll be, they'll be rejoicing to know the Bible says this. However, there will be unbelievers who will read their Bibles at that time. The Bible will be around. There'll be unbelievers who will be reading Scripture, trying to figure out what's going on. Nobody really knows what's happening. Maybe the Bible will tell us and they'll come across Matthew 24 and understand this. And and this statement about being alert and watchful concerning his coming is designed to be a warning to these unbelievers to make sure that in the horrible days of the tribulation, that they understand they need to be ready for the return of Christ. These are not random catastrophes. These are signs and they need to be ready Christ. So this is a call for unbelievers to prepare for the day that Christ arrives by trusting him for salvation. The time of the Great Tribulation will be very difficult for all mankind, especially for those who trust Christ as their Savior. 
As they read the words of Jesus, they will understand that conditions cannot go on forever. There will be an end to the suffering. They will long for the return of Christ. Thanks for listening to the Bible class today. To listen to it again, go to our website, versebyverseradio.org. You may download or stream it all for free. If you have any questions, call us at 727-239-0306. In our next class, Pastor Steve will continue this study on being ready for Christ's return. Verse by Verse is an outreach ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel, Clearwater, Florida. I'm your announcer, Jerry Pruden. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. In Hebrews 3.13, we're told to encourage each other daily, and that that encouragement actually helps protect our hearts from becoming hardened. And encouragement is not just positive or happy thinking. Encouragement is others coming alongside you, reminding you of God's truth about who you are and God's faithfulness in working out His purpose and plan for your life.